How Ben Hughes Found Santa Claus from an Easter Lily. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Lewis, Houston, Texas. An Easter Lily by Amanda Minnie Douglas. How Ben Hughes Found Santa Claus. Section 3 it had come to be pretty hard lines with us you see the governor had never held up his head so to speak since the accident on his train he had been switch tender at north lumberton junction for years and years and i do say he wasn't to blame for the accident then but biggins always do crowd out little uns the way it was there was an extra you see going up excursion train and no one had telegraphed a sound the regular train had gone up the, the down was coming in about ten minutes governor went out and fixed a switch and stood there with the flag in his hand looking up when something came a thundering along right back at him switch right sung out someone governor jumped and was blind confused the train ran right off and smashed into a lot of coal cars standing there it was a mercy he wasn't killed to would have been so much minded being killed at my post like that chap you was reading about the other day he said to me privately afterwards, but if I'd been killed, I never could have told the truth about myself, though nobody ever write verses about me. If I'd had a gift that way and known any newspapers, man, I'd have done it myself. Twasn't so bad as it might have been. The smoking car was about empty. Engineer give a spring. But my, didn't they go to founders? Four killed and lots of them hurt. And there was an awful time. There was an inquest and testimony about everything. The real truth was, telegram wasn't quite soon enough. But the railroad people wouldn't allow that. They compared watches and wangled and talked and smoothed matters over for everyone. But the governor and he was marched off to jail. Poor Mammy almost broke her heart. She was the governor's second wife. He had some sons, I've heard him say, who were well-to-do men, but they'd forgot all about him. Mammy had had three children, Jack, who was off at sea, Kitty, who had met with an accident and was lame, and me. My name is Benjamin Franklin Hughes, but for short they always call me Ben. Mammy used to read to me on Sundays about Joseph and his breathing, and how the old governor loved Benjamin, and they found the king's cup in his sack of corn. But he come out all right in the end, and I know it give Mamma a good deal of faith about me. Well, my governor had a hard time of it, a man come and told Mammy that it would be better for him to stay in jail a while till folks forgot. So they kept putting off his trial, and blind by, they sort of let him go with the lecture. But it riled the old man awfully. It was the dead of winter, and he couldn't do anything more at North Lumberton, because, you see, it wasn't made plain, and all hands thought him to blame. So we come to the city. We managed through the summer, but in the fall, the governor was taken to his bed. Mama and Kitty sewed, but there wasn't much made by that, and I was on the lookout for all the odd jobs I could find. When a chap began to go downhill, seems as if it wasn't always freezing weather and slippery, and he slides and slides with nothing to catch hold of till he gets away. Down to the bottom, I seen some good chances to get established if I'd had five dollars or so, but I never did. And then that's regular and fortunate sometimes forget about how it was with themselves in the beginning. 
Just after Thanksgiving, the chap at Mammy's shop busted. He was owing her five dollars, and the loss come mighty hard. There wouldn't have been anything more for weeks and weeks, for it was a dual winter, and people began to talk about soup houses then. Maybe I might get a few days' washing, said Mammy. I'll speak to the neighbors round. I don't know what we're going to do, put in Kitty. She was kind of a pretty little thing with big brown eyes and yellow hair that curled in a slow way and somehow looked like her pale face, not being crisp and kinky like some curly hair. Now and then I'd seen just such a picture in a window with a hungry look about it, as if the poor soul wanted something that wouldn't meat nor drink. She kept a hankering after the little garden we had at Junction and the green fields all about, but it seemed to me that she looked peekinger than ever now. I remember just as if it was yesterday about that Sunday before Christmas. I'd had a streak of luck, Saturday night selling in the market. There's the rent, said Mammy when I come home. We mustn't touch a cent of it this week, so as to be sure. It was cold and stormy on Sunday. I went down to the missionary school after dinner, and most of the talk was about Christmas, and the Lord being born in a manger, and how poor and humble he was, and how everyone ought to do some good deed at Christmas, if never any other time, and how the Lord took these small things as sort of birthday gifts to himself, and remembered everyone, no matter how small it was. I'd often thought I'd like to be rich, and send poor people tons of coal and blankets and a turkey, perhaps, or something good, but I knew I never should be. I was telling them all about it in the evening, and then Kitty and me began to look over the pictures in Mammy's big Bible that was, I don't know how old. We stopped at Joseph being sold by his breathing, and Kitty read the story all over again and how Joseph forgave them when he came to be a great king and brought his father to Egypt so he mightn't starve to death. The governor was laying on his bed, and he gave a great sigh. They don't do so nowadays, he said. They go off and forget. I've three likely sons out in the new countries with flocks and herds and wives and children, but it's many a long year since any of them have asked if I was alive. Am I supposed to bond by Jack be like em? But Ben won't, said Kitty softly. He will be like this one, won't you, Ben? You may bet your life on that, says I. Governor, you cheer up a bit. I've got a good name, and I won't go back on it. Maybe I'll see an opening between this and spring, and you'll come out like a lark some warm day. Somehow it seems to me as if this Christmas was going to be something for us. Oh, said Kitty with a great glow in her eyes, if there only was a real Santa Claus, or if we could have three wishes. And then we planned that we would wish for, and afterwards Mammy asked us to sing. Kitty knew some carols. She was a master hand to remember, and the governor said he did not believe. It was much better out on the plains of Judy, where the shepherds kept watch. But it was, you know, though it was just as well for him to think he had some of the very best. On Tuesday it was, I see one of them lucky chances for a little speculation, and I run home to Mammy for a few dollars. Oh, Ben, she said, we just paid it away. Mr. McCann came in this morning and asked if I had the rent handy. He wanted to use some money and was hard up. It's a mean shame, and I was mad as a hen in a brush fence. He couldn't collect it anyhow till the first, and here it's only the twenty-third. And if I only had two dollars, I know I could double it today and again tomorrow. 
I'm so sorry, Ben, but then you might have lost it, and we've a roof over our head for all January. Well, it can't be helped, and I started off again. There was another fellow standing by to take the chance. What could I do? The ground was frozen up as dry as a chip, and there was no boots to black except for the regulars. I put in a ton of coal, and that was every living thing I found to do that day. I'd had my eye on a paper route for ever so long, but it just seemed as if I could never get money enough together again for anything. And all the streets were looking gay, and the stores and markets trimmed up with evergreens. How jolly everyone seemed. Next day, luck was dead against me again. Seventy-five cents was all I made. Not a stiver for Christmas. I'd seen so many things I wanted to buy Kitty, and I wanted a chicken to make some broth for the governor. I began to wonder if it was all true what the man said on Sunday. Was there a great lord up in heaven who knew all about cold and hunger, and had no place to lay his head, and was at last given up to the cruel Jews to be put to death? That's a sight worse than you, Ben Hughes, I said, and then I ran round looking at the gay shop windows, and listening to the fun and laughs, and now and then a church bell ringing. If Kitty had been strong enough to go with me, it would have been quite a little Christmas feast. But it was an awful cold night. I had an armful of evergreens. For you see, I didn't dare spend any of my money buying Christmas. I was turning around a corner when I saw something huddled up on a step like a great dog. If I was rich, I should have some dogs. I do like them so. I went to pat the shaggy fellow. But when I put out my hand, I found it wasn't a dog at all. Let me be, said the little kid, jerking away. I'm nice and warm in this corner, and I was almost asleep. But you'll freeze here, I said. You'd better go to the station house. No, and he began to cry. I ran away from a pillar. I don't want to go to the island. I want to get up to the heavens where Betty's gone, and where the good Lord takes care of little boys like me. I hadn't had a mouthful all day except the good smell over there, and the man kicked me away. Does it take long to freeze? Why, Jimmy Arno, is it you? And I dragged him out to the light, sure enough, and his teeth were chattering as if they'd been strung on wires. The little kid didn't know me. He was blinked out of his great black eyes and then began to whimper. I knew where he had lived, and this Betty Arno used to keep a peanut stand. Tis Betty dead, said I. Yes, and the woman turned me out the doors and wouldn't let me take the box Betty gave me. Oh, dear, I'm so cold, so cold. I thought of what the man said at the mission school. Maybe this was my Christmas. If doing for such a little chap was just the same as doing for the great Lord, and if he'd say at the last, Ben Hughes, I saw you that Christmas Eve, when you was too poor to send gifts to anybody, taking that half-starved little shaver in out of the cold, and I put it down in my count, and it's just as good as a rich man's deed. So, says I, come along, Jimmy. I'll give you a nice warm corner to sleep in, and a mouthful of supper. It's Christmas Eve, you know. Trot up brisk now. The poor little chap was crying and talking all in one breath and wanting to sit down on every stoop, but I kept him up. Here we are, says I, opening the door. Oh, Ben, what has kept you so late, cries Kitty, and then in the next breath. What a splendid lot of greens. And something else, said I. Santa Claus. Why, Ben, says Mammy, where did you pick up this poor thing? 
oh don't send me to the station house nor the island cries he looking frightened out of his great eyes i never stole anything nor sweared and i'm so cold oh is it nice and warm in heaven betty said it was come to the fire poor creature says mammy i told her about betty arno and her peanut stand and how that i had seen her for as much as a month and jimmy said she was dead and then how i'd found him this bitter cold night and i wanted to keep him just as if it had been the great lord and we'll have some christmas after all says kitty only not like rich folks mammy was afraid he was froze so i brought in some snow and rubbed his ears and nose and his hands then mammy washed him and set him by the stove to warm and dry and give him a little broth first my eyes wasn't the kid hungry if he'd have stayed out in that cold all night i guess he'd have found a short road to heaven sure maybe it would have been better said mammy poor little lambs i like to think god is glad to have them but we'll do our best we can now you must run out and buy us a little dinner for tomorrow, Ben. A bit of beef to stew, I guess, and a few potatoes. I went down to the butcher's. He was hard run just then and asked me to take out a basket to a customer. And afterwards another. I picked out what I wanted and he weighed it. Thirty-five cents, says he. But if you'd like to change, Ben, I'll let you have this chicken. The skin's broken and it doesn't look quite so fair, but it's fresh and a nice plump fellow call it square for the errands thank ye says i and a merry christmas in the bargain lots of em to you ben i run off home glad enough i tell you feeling like a morning star hooray says i opening the door christmas is begun and no mistake what do you think of that the governor was as pleased as a baby and mammy laughed with tears in her eyes then kitty and i sung some rousing carols the little chap was sound asleep the baker sent Kitty a cake next day, and altogether it wasn't so bad a Christmas. Only the little kid, he grew sicker and sicker. Governor said we ought to send him to the hospital, but somehow Kitty, she took a wonderful fancy to him, and Mammy was a master hand at nursing. Then, too, during the next week, I had a streak of luck and made five dollars, and Mammy had a pile of sewing to do for a neighbor. Seems as though the little thing had brought us good fortune, Kitty said with a bright smile. Oh, Ben, you ought to hear the wonderful things he talks of when the fever's on him. Gardens and flowers and birds and a beautiful house and a papa. Was Betty Armo his grandmother, really? To suppose so, I said. He was always a nice little chap and didn't play much with the street cubs. Perhaps he will tell us all about it when he gets well. Mammy managed to get the fever broken about two weeks, but he was as weak as a baby. He'd lie there on two chairs, listening to Kitty as she sung, and begging her to tell him stories. Governor took a queer liking to him as well. We didn't call him anything but Santa Claus. One day Kitty told him what he talked about when he was sick. It's all true, he said. I used to live in the house, my mammy and I, and she had pretty light curls like Kitty, and oh, such beautiful blue eyes. She used to wear silk dresses and had a gold watch and rings and papa used to come and give her heaps of money but one day mammy took me and went away and we never went back to that splendid house and papa didn't come any more she just grew whiter and whiter and when old betty come she went to heaven and left me with granny and that's a long long while ago when i was a little boy mammy shook her head 
I dare say there's been some sorry work about it. There's a many sad things in this world. Don't you believe it's true? It's true enough, said Mammy with a sigh. Times begin to get pretty hard with us again. February was cornering on and no rent. Twas always paid in advance, you see, or else she had to march. Old McCain came in and made a row. If you don't have it tomorrow at twelve, out you go, says he. You can borrow it from some friend, I know. We had a little bread and lasses for supper that night. I made believe I wasn't a bit hungry and kept feeding the little kid, cause I didn't know what would happen to him or any of us tomorrow. You see, not being brought up in the city, I wasn't used to all the dodges and way of getting along. Well, you took him in and give him a good Christmas, says Kitty, and we won't be sorry, for he did bring us a little luck. Only I can't bear to think of turning him out again. Just then there was a knock at the door. I opened it and two men stood there. Is little Jimmy Arno here, says one of them. With that he ran and hid his head in Mammy's lap. Oh, he screamed, it's a peeler. Don't let him take me. I won't go to the island. I'll run away and drown. We don't want anybody to go to the island, says the policeman. Tell the truth, for it's all good news, little cove. You're about the luckiest chap I ever heard tell of. Is this the boy, said the other man, picked Jim up in his arms and turned him to the light. Oh, he says in kind of a crying tone, I should know them eyes anywhere. My good woman, I've never can repay you for sheltering this little boy. He's my grandson. With that, the governor came out and dropped in a chair. Somehow, says he, he never seemed like a common child. But we must know the truth and your claim before you take him away from here. I declare I was so proud of my governor for that speech that I could have cheered. They sat down and talked. I don't know if I've got that story straight in my head to this day, but it was something like this. The old gent's son married a pretty actress, who was Betty Arno's daughter, but he kept mighty still about it to his folks. Somehow, after a while, they quarreled, and he told her she wasn't his wife. With that, she ran away, taking her little kid, and when she was most a-dying, she sent for her mother, old Betty, and told her the story, and gave Jim to her and a box of papers. That was more than two years before, and now Jim's father was dead, and there had come a great fortune for him and his heirs, which was little Jim here. They'd found where Betty died, and they'd taken the box from the woman who'd turned Jim out of doors, and found letters and a certificate which proved all about him. And now for a month they'd been hunting up Jim. Mammy had told a neighbor about my bringing him home, almost starved and frozen, and how sick he'd been, and she happened to see the stir about it in a paper, with the reward offered, so she went and told the old gent the news. Jim, says he, I'm your grandfather. Your poor papa died a-loving you, and sorry enough that he'd ever been so cruel. And now you must come home with me, and I'll try to bring you up to be a good man, and you must love me in my old days. Ah, said the governor, they don't always do that, unless they're like Ben here. I've three likely sons that I have never heard from in ten years or more. So the old gent thanked Mammy again and again, and said so much to me that I was red as a beet in the face. But would you believe the little kid wouldn't stir a step with them without Kitty? And Mammy begged him to wait till tomorrow. Well, they went away after a while, and we talked and cried, even to the governor who was quite knocked up about it. 
Jim seemed to care the least of anyone, but then he didn't understand all was going to be to him. But twasn't there a jolly lark the next morning? Old McCann was there ordering us out of the house just as the carriage stopped. You should have seen his face then. It was as good as a picture by Nast. He cooled down quicker and last his candy in a heap of snow. The old gent paid the rent and told him we didn't want the place any more. And sure enough, before twelve that day, we went out, bag and baggage, which wasn't saying much after all. Well, the upshot of it all is I've got about as nice a paper stand as you'd want to see. We keep pens and writing paper and notions, and I've a morning route. I'm first president of the governor's cashier, and you never saw a prouder man. We have three rooms back of the store, and Mammy keeps house there like a queen. Kitty is living with Mr. Wassenham and Jimmy, though his real name is Eugene. They wouldn't have give her up. You see, the old gent felt as if we had saved Jimmy's life, and I do suppose the little kid would have froze to death that night if I hadn't a take him home. So he felt as if it couldn't have do enough for us, but the governor and I, we've got our pride too. Kitty lives like a princess in a palace. She takes care of Jim's clothes and dusts up the parlors and is studying music, for they all think she has a stunning voice. She comes to see us in a carriage, and though the governor laughs, I see him wipe his eyes with his coat sleeve, as though there was a little something besides fun in it. You'd better believe that I put faith in Santa Claus in Christmas. While the year couldn't keep house without them, the governor and I hang up our stockings and keep them full, too. It's Corey's, but there's always on Christmas Eve I take a little run just after dark and look on store steps and in dry goods boxes, and sometimes I find a little chap cold and hungry, and I make believe for a moment that I'm Santa Claus. It's just jolly, I tell you. And when the stars shine out, I think of plain old Judy and the shepherds, hearing the great song that all the world goes on singing, so that it may never be quite forgotten. So Merry Christmas to everybody from Ben Hughes. End of How Ben Hughes Found Santa Claus Recording by Kristen Lewis, Houston, Texas